Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1992, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1992 here from our perch in 2023. I am one of your hosts, Phyllis Gove. I'm your special guest host, Emily St. James, sitting in for your normal host, seven tiny versions of Phil who keep trying to kill him. <laughs> I thought you were going to say try to kill you. No. <laughs> Why would they want to kill me? I'm well, great. I have no idea. Uh, perhaps most importantly, with us today is Clark Wolf back on the podcast. It's been far too long, Clark. <laughs> It has. It, we we we. When I think about how baby a podcast we were when you came on for Forces of Nature back in the day, uh, <laughs> it was what it a was, time. It was it was a different time. Feels like a different world, really. But um, Clark Wolf is here, actor, writer, to talk with us about the third film in the Evil Dead franchise, Army of Darkness. Um, I had coffee with Clark a few weeks ago and had, wow. um, I know I'm showing I'm, off, whatever. <laughs> um, and we were talking about this podcast and I said, obviously that I want to have you on. And we talked about the films of 1992. And this was at the sort of the top of a relatively short list. We went through 92 and it was, um, it wasn't a great year for Clark. <laughs> it sure wasn't. It really wasn't. Might I say it wasn't a good year for any of us? Well, that's, uh, that's, no. I mean. Thank I you, Clark. That Clark, far. thank you. Thank you for being on my side in this podcast. Is, which that, is, that, is that how you've been feeling, Emily? Actually, like, there there have been a lot of good movies. I'm not going to pretend that there haven't been. And there are Army many Duck to come. A lot of fun. There's good ones to come. It's just, yeah, I, I there's a lot of, we watched just long string of movies that were just like, aren't women the worst, right, in, in a row? And I was just like, ugh. It yeah. does seem as though, and Clark, we talked about this a little bit of coffee in terms of just sort of the um, the last kind of um, 
death rattle of the kind of sexy adult thriller that created a lot of bad female stereotypes that that we you know obviously don't love some of those films are good or fun at the very least in terms of basic instinct being just you know gonzo and crazy and fun and whatever um but i do think that like and we've talked about this at ad nauseum to some degree but like it's a weird year and as we went through this list uh there's certainly it seemed as though there was not a lot of movies that spoke to you personally clark in terms of favorites of yours however we did find this film (laughs) and i want to sort of ask you about your not just your feelings on this film and why you perhaps like this one but sort of your feelings on the evil dead oeuvre and where it sort of fits in all of that for you yeah for sure well you know it's interesting too because i think when we talk about the horror conversation of the 90s there there is often this conversation of like it was just sort of throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks and then of course scream comes around and just blows everything up um, and I, I really, as I was rewatching Army of Darkness, I was thinking about that a little bit. Like this is this is a wild movie that um, was expensive, kind of. You know, like kind of, it was what it was wasn't yeah. cheap. Going that taking that leap from mm-hmm. Evil Dead Two to mm-hmm. this budget oh, yeah. and this concept, it just was like I was really truly thinking to myself, how did I? I need to find. I'm sure. Sam we'll and talk Rob, about the, yeah, the, yeah the, and everybody the, has talked about it as as not ad nauseum. But um, it was a it was an inter- interesting time. Phil, before I get to the Evil Dead, though, do you want to tell everybody real quickly and Emily about the conversation that we had where we were going through these movies and you suggested something that was like a romance with a like it, I don't know if it was Jeremy oh. Irons or. Oh yes. Uh well it was it was damage, I believe. We talked a little bit about damage, um, which is not a r- romance per se, but okay. we talked a little bit about oh God, I'm gonna pull up the list now because I feel like we talked about a bunch of romantic movies that you decidedly were not into either. Well, and that was <laughs> I have since told people this story that the words that came you were like, What you don't like you don't like this, you don't like that, and the <laughs> words that came out out of my mouth where i don't like romance uh it's true. which <laughs> which we which which we followed on the heels of our previous conversation about dating in los angeles which is <laughs> which is amazing too so it was just sort of like i don't like romance i everybody, <laughs> everybody i know only has high marks for dating in los angeles so uh... <laughs> it must be me then it's a yeah. me thing clearly but oh you know what I, it was it was cutting edge uh, we were talking about the cutting edge and we were talking about, I was like, it's a romantic kind of comedy about a hockey player who becomes a partner with a figure skater because right. he gets injured. And you were just like, what the fuck yeah, is that? What, what, it, Why would I want to watch that? And the only reason I brought up a rom-com to you is because you came on for Forces of Nature, which is sort of a romantic comedy, kind of. Yeah, yes, and but mostly because I tried to do The Mummy and The Sixth Sense, right. and you were like, taken, taken, saved, no. No, and I was like, okay. I mean, so I'm sorry. It wasn't I had to rep- I had to represent for for Sandy B. Uh, but anyway, and you did by the way. <laughs> I do my best, but anyway, yes. I say all this to say that I do like romance, and I've thought oh. about that Freudian slip okay. many times since the conversation, and told that story on on well, the first date. So now, and weirdly, they're not going well. I, what? I mean, you've set this up now, so now I need to ask the question: What is your favorite romance? 
I mean, <gasps> romantic movie, whatever that entails for you. Because now, oh, I... well, I love, I love rom coms. I love like okay. classic rom coms. Like, okay, I love when Harry met Sally. I love Nora sure. Ephron. I, when sure. Harry met Sally, and I love, I love you've got mail, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, I mean. I I think you know what it is that I don't think I like romantic. I care. I don't care for romantic dramas. That is what oh, okay. I, you know, but I don't care sure. for most dramas, which is brings us back to our horror conversation. <laughs> because... well, I would, I want to, this is the thing, Emily, and I'm, I, I, cause I'm curious about your thoughts on this too, because we've talked a little bit about the dearth of good horror in the nineties. And I am not, as ever, as our listeners know, I'm a big baby. I'm a big scaredy cat. I don't particularly like scary movies, although I'm trying to get better at it. You two love horror movies. Yes. So, mm -hmm. and this is sort of a horror movie. This franchise starts in a much more horror place. It becomes much more horror comedy. And now it's pivoted back, it seems, towards being more kind of traditionally horror movies. Um, so I guess my question to you both is, Raimi, as a horror filmmaker, where does he kind of fall for you on that, on that spectrum? I, um, I said this on my Letterboxd review of this movie, which is basically, I love the Evil Dead franchise, and yet the only Evil Dead movie I'd say I truly love is Evil Dead 2. Like, I like all of them. I think they're all fun yeah. in some capacity. Like all of the rest of them, I can kind of like poke holes in, but Evil Dead 2, I think, is, is kind of a perfect movie in most ways. I think that Raimi is, he's so in converse, like he's so in conversation with horror, and yet he's also kind of outside of horror in a weird way. Like he's inventing stuff that Peter Jackson especially picks up on, you know. Um, but Which he we'll is like playing, brain dead. Yeah, he's playing around with concepts of, um, not my cats here. What a fun day in in the in the in the St. James house. Um, he's playing around with these concepts that are like as much drawn from Looney Tunes <laughs> as they are from the cat has entered horror. the chat. Just FYI, yes, the for cat our is listeners, here. the cat is here. I, I have to feed just the baby. Straight up attacking the microphone. I do. I do think. Um, I do think one reason and that like you know i i kind of uh 92 is kind of has kind of worn on me is there's just not a lot of great horror like and that's my favorite genre i love watching horror movies um and again i think i've said this in an earlier episode the 90s are, are probably the worst decade for american horror i think there's good horror going on around the world but american horror is in a really dire place um you know you've got scream and you've got things like Candyman and these sort of like interesting experiments off on the edges but yeah in terms of like the mainstream genre in the u.s it's probably never been worse yeah i mean I, I, it's interesting you brought up the international component of it because i do think and we talked a little bit about this on our 99 podcast but you know you have um audition you have Takeshi Miike, you have you know the the um the japanese horror that's sort of coming out in the near the end of the 90s ish early 2000s um, but Clark, you know, we talked about this a little at coffee, but you know, your feelings on nineties horror in general. Yeah. So, so, and, and to, to sort of build off of what Emily was saying, you know, there, there is also the conversation to be had about horror goes mainstream. So the silence of the lambs, right. You know, a lot of us would look is that some people can look at it and go, that's not a horror movie. That's a psychological thriller. That's a whatever, sure. but 
I, I feel like a lot of people now, especially kind of look at it and go, yeah, but that's all, that's what we now call elevated horror, you know, where it's like, right. it's a little bit more sophisticated, of course, to horror fans. We're like, nah, this has always been here, but. It'd be um, like an even, A24 movie today is what you're Exactly. Yeah, or yeah. even something like Seven. You know, Seven is sure, sure, is sure. a companion in a lot of ways. Oh, baby. <laughs> uh, to uh, to, to <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. So, um, but yeah. And I also think, too, you know, there are a lot of people who would make the argument that when it comes to a culture, yeah. um, usually what is going on in that society is sort of determines what the subgenre that catches hold is. And, sure. you know, with the 90s now i want to say this is very broad strokes like um sort of a white middle class version of the history of the 90s but a lot of people say when you look to america in the 90s during bill clinton's presidency you have this sort of economic you know we've got a, a economic surplus and we've you know there it's seen as a more quote-unquote peaceful time now we all know that that is not necessarily true but again broad strokes um and so yeah it's a it's a weird time for for what is going to be rufus is very activated all the pets all the babies all the pets the, pets the babies this like... is well because they, they all they all want to talk about horror obviously yeah clearly. it's their favorite genre yeah clearly uh but so and it's yeah. also interesting phil because what we when we were going through that list, uh, especially from this year, I was young mm. and like a, a small child, and so as a result, I think what well I I, 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 was, I, I you know what I mean, yes. uh, and so I think stop it, <laughs> Jean Louise, he's like young. Fantastic. This oh is fantastic. God. Our listeners are getting a real crash course you in get a real juggling the look. things that are necessary in order to have a podcast. I took my dog's collar off. I gave him a T word, a treat. Ooh, oh. He didn't hear me. Uh, and I, I took him for a walk. I did so many things to make sure this didn't happen. And now here we are. At all. I, I mean, um, and, and we've got a baby just listen, that loves screams. This baby loves screams. This, this, this baby loves horror. Uh, raising this baby to just yeah just we're raising those, this baby those right blue eyes and her and, and an adorable the just little yeah. baby um <laughs> so I know what you're saying which is that you were relatively yes. young in 92 it, yes and so, so the yeah. point the point is that i think the movies that stand the test of time are the ones that i would sort of have a reaction to sure. and you know and so so um this is one that definitely has st stood the test of time i would argue the evil yeah. dead conversation is really interesting in preparation for today's show i went mm -hmm. back and i rewatched. Um, well i made sure after we had coffee i made mm -hmm. sure to see evil dead rise uh which i have mm -hmm. thoughts about and uh and then mm -hmm. i rewatched evil dead evil dead 2 and army of mm -hmm. darkness and oh, wow. okay. i am still but not the just just to be clear not the jane levy one that the the, the remake right well i did not rewatch that one okay. before this podcast but i watched it very yeah. recently like yeah. like in the last six months i had watched okay. it so i feel pretty comfortable about it so um but but i think what's interesting about this franchise is that evil dead 2 i think is what made this franchise happen that mm -hmm. That's where you get that special sauce of just enough comedy, just enough practical effects, a great cast, um, you know, Bruce Campbell feeling more confident. It's essentially a one-man show, as is this movie, um, mm -hmm. Army of Darkness. But so for me, though, I actually have the original trilogy prefer the first Evil Dead. Um, Sans tree rape, obviously. 
Yeah, which which I do not care for. Let me just be very, just be clear. very clear. Let's be above not, board. I am I am not pro tree rape. Okay, so, I I, uh, I watched I watched Evil Dead the first one with my wife, and all she remembers about it is the tree rape, and she never yeah. wants to see another one another one of these movies. Like that's just it's it's and very it's upsetting. Pretty- yeah. It is. And and it's of that. But I also really appreciate and enjoy that. Well, I don't enjoy, but I, I find it interesting that time period of the West Cravens, you know, making stuff like Last House on the Left or, you know, it, more so than Hills Have Eyes, like really. And, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a fun I'm sure you'll get into this, this bit of trivia. Mm-hmm. Um, but but, um, but yeah, so so. Uh, but but what's so fun is you know that image of like the cellar door and like yep. the dead-eyed under there and that's all Evil Dead the first one right mm-hmm. uh, so I I have such a fun fond but very distinct relationship with every single one of these movies but Sam Raimi is somebody to me who is uh I I'm always curious what he's up to and drag me to hell is that that was the other thing and I'm sure we'll get into it but um in rewatching Army of Darkness it was so fun to see all of the connective tissue to Spider-Man, to drag me to hell, to everything that has come yeah. after. Um, and so that that was a big highlight for me upon rewatch of Army of Darkness. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that the Evil Dead franchise is kind of fascinating in the sense that it's, I mean, full disclosure, have not seen the remake, the Jane Levy or uh, Evil Dead Rise yet. I would like to see both of them. Um, but I do think that what's kind of interesting is they make the first one for like nothing, right? Like it's super, super guerrilla filmmaking. It has a very, very low budget. And then they get a chance to make another one for a higher budget, which is sort of kind of a little bit of a remake of the first one, right? Because they were just like, well, you know, there were things we didn't get to do with the first one. So let's do like the, 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 the version of the first one that we wanted to do, um, which is, I think, widely regarded as, you know, a masterpiece. Um, and then this movie happens, which also sort of feels like another reboot-ish thing that's happening. And then the subsequent films have also been kind of these reimagining reboot, even the show, Ash versus um Ash Evil, versus, Evil Ash versus Evil Dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So which also feels like it's an extension of this movie a little bit in terms of us catching Ash still working at the the you know the S Mart call it S Mart yeah of course so it's all very kind of acknowledging itself every step of the way and yet also doesn't feel like say Scream for instance which is a much more conventional horror franchise so it's interesting to kind of look at this through kind of this new lens in terms of what they're trying to do with the franchise. And you can speak to evil dead rise in terms of whether or not that opens doors to more movies within. Does it, I mean, does it open the door for well, more franchise installments? Have I mean, you seen oh, it, Emily? Oh, you have seen it. Okay. I mean, of course, like, I think there, the idea is to give uh, an up and coming filmmaker who has been a dude so far, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Uh, uh, but, um, to give someone an opportunity to play in the sandbox, what I think is so interesting though, is like, uh, you know what it is evil dead to me as a franchise Mm -hmm. is a flavor. If that make if you know what I mean? Like it's not mythology bound. Like, yes, we love the Necronomicon, but every single movie in the opening is here's the Necronomicon. Here's the deadites. 
here's what they're capable of now go, you know, and right. so, and, and we, we, we replay and we revisit the lore in some way, shape or form. So you can have seen a, a previous installment or not, but the flavor is, I think the thing that connects all of them, I including Sam Raimi's installments, by the way, Absolutely. because they are, they are very different in tone and in, you know what I mean? So I think Absolutely. that's you. Yeah. You talking about Scream, just Scream, of course, hangs heavily over every conversation about 90s horror. But, like, that is a movie that's sure. so indebted to its mythology. Every for every installment has to, like, like tie into this to a point that's gotten ridiculous in a way I really like. Like, every new movie is like, of course, this person is the second cousin of the second cousin <laughs> of the third killer from movie it's three. Ridiculous. Yeah. And it's great. But like Evil Dead is like, they'll just randomly switch up. You know, this movie yeah. introduces that Ash worked at S-Mart and that's like an important part of the plot. And right. you're like, okay, sure. And, well, it and, does yeah. feel like the Ash component. This is kind of the thing too, where like this movie comes out, um, doesn't do particularly well, all things considered. It, it makes its money back. It makes a little bit of a profit, but like it doesn't set the world on fire and it doesn't become a you know a franchise for lack of a better way of putting it like universal doesn't think to themselves we're going to make more of these which means that ash aka bruce campbell continues to age Mm -hmm. continues to not be you know so you know once you remove ash from the equation he's really kind of the only real character that exists in these movies so once that's pulled from it kind of all bets are off right like you can kind of do whatever you want yeah, and the only character that really continues, uh, aside from Ash, is the character of, like, the Necronomicon, right. and then the people right. who are trying to stop the Deadites or yeah. activate the Deadites or whatever it is. So, yeah, I and, you know, I think, too, that's what's also sort of just, what's what's sort of liberating and interesting about this franchise and what's cool about it being Sam and Rob and, uh, and Bruce for the mm-hmm. first three and then into versus or ash versus the evil dead mm-hmm. is that it's really just sort of like okay what's interesting to us right yeah. now great well i what's interesting to us in you know the evil dead is making a scary movie mm-hmm. that you know people will come out to see at midnight and then what's interesting for us in evil dead 2 is okay let's start to infuse some you know some some mm-hmm. comedy here three special effects a lot of comedy you know and so on and so on so but but i think that that's what's so um the fact that it was that trio who existed through the property for truly like 30 years until fede comes in and you know uh, and of course they're those trio is still involved in all of them they're producing them exactly yes um so i think that that's interesting no absolutely and and i you know it should be said too that like I would argue Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 are sort of the quintessential definition of a cult classic of a movie that came out, did relatively well in theaters, but you know, this was back when video stores existed, when people were buying, you know, Anchor Bay released so many goddamn versions of these movies. I mean, I think it literally kept that company in business for a very long time. Um, you know, it, it it's also the type of property that doesn't cost a ton of money it's why it's jumped around studios and what have you um there's just a lot of rights things that kind of play with it so there's it's it's just sort of almost perennial and then you look at the success of evil dead rise which is which was quite successful all things considered um i think that that you know if you look at that movie 
you have to imagine that Warner Brothers has to be thinking, well, we'll make more of these. Like, oh, yeah. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. Um, so it is just sort of fascinating how it's turned into this kind of loosey-goosey franchise in its own weird way. And it's like now Raimi and some of his cohorts are like, we're going to draw up like a like a series Bible. Basically, they're going to like write down rules for how all this works and be like, here's where we can go in the sequels. But the guy who directed um, Evil Dead Rise is also like, I have five other ideas for it really literally is just like this book shows up somewhere and bad yes. stuff happens and yes. you can kind of do anything you want with that. Now, all five of these movies have featured Bruce Campbell in some capacity. So sure. like that does seem like a thing that people are reticent to get away from. But yeah, in, in Evil Dead Rise, it's not clear. It's Ash. It's just he has a voice cameo that the director has said, in my mind, that's Ash. But it's not like ever confirmed. Right. And similarly, um, I, at the Phil, I don't know, if you know, at the end of Fede's movie, you know, mm -hmm. there's just a quick little flash of of Ash or Bruce Campbell saying groovy, but that's the tie in. So yeah. there's, you know, it's sort of like the Godfather giving his blessing, but, <laughs> you know, that's kind of the extent of it. Uh, so I love, you know, so, yeah, it's it seems like they're breaking away. For sure. I, I do want to give a little bit of context for our listeners on uh, Army of Darkness. Ash is transported back to medieval days where he's captured by the dreaded Lord Arthur, aided by the deadly chainsaw that has become his only friend. Ash is sent on a perilous mission to recover the Book of the Dead, a powerful tome that gives its owner the power to summon an army of ghouls. Our army of Darkness opened the, uh, I want to say, Sijis Film Festival in October oh, 9th. Stiges? I think is how I think sure, that's how apologies. I've heard it said, okay. but... Uh, on October 9th, 1992, it then opened wide on February 9th, 1993. It would go on to make $21.5 million on an $11 million budget. It is 69% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 87% from audiences. Roger Ebert gave the film two stars and said, Sam Raimi's Army of Darkness is a goofy, hyperventilated send-up of horror films and medieval warfare. So action-packed, it sometimes feels less like a movie than a cardiovascular workout for its stars. The special effects in Army of Darkness are ingenious and a lot of fun. The makeup state of the art so are the severed limbs garters of blood etc the movie isn't as funny or entertaining as evil dead 2 however maybe because the comic approach seems recycled then again the movie seems aimed at an audience of 14 year olds who would have been eight when evil dead 2 came out so maybe this will be breathtakingly original i i think he's being a little bit harsh and i also feel like this movie's aged very well like i think that in 92 i think people were probably a little bit like kind of been there done that and and because it felt so playful that perhaps that balance that is found in evil dead 2 of like legit horror mixed with the high energy sam raimi visuals um is just a better balance and i think that i would argue he doesn't find that balance again until uh, as we mentioned uh drive me to hell which i think is a straight up masterpiece which we'll talk about but I think that this movie, which I watched, obviously watched again the other night, a tight, like, 82 minutes long. Like, there's barely any, like, movie there, really. It's like, he's stuck there. How do I get home? And then there are large swaths of him fighting stuff, <laughs> which is fine. Like, I, I have no qualms with any of this. But I, I do imagine that what Evil Dead 2 does is the viscera of it makes it feel more substantive. Do you know what I'm sort of getting at? Yeah. Like that there's that sort of um, the, the, the tension and the horror and the legit kind of thrills that are there make the movie feel a little bit sort of weightier. Whereas Army of Darkness being so light and so kind of um, 
PG-13, for lack of a better way of putting it, I think makes the movie feel uh, less than, which I'm not sure is, is necessarily true, but I think it feels that way. Yeah, you know what was funny was uh, before we started recording today, I looked up um, what Army of Darkness was rated. And sure. I'm sure there are fans who are, or, uh, you know, people in the audience who are listening who are like, well, this cut and that cut yeah, and all the, you version. know, <laughs> and I'm just like, I, I hear you, I understand. But let's just talk about the general movie yes. that was released. Yeah was rated R. And I was like, what a time. Because I watched that movie again on Saturday night and I was like, oh, it's a kid's movie? (laughs) Exactly. I was like, I I would show this to a 12-year-old. Same, same. I was like, I wish my, I wish my dad, my dad is not a horror guy, but like, you know, he showed me um, Young Frankenstein and like I had babysitters who were showing me like dark fantasy, you know, like Willow. This movie reminded me so much much of willow yeah i can see that uh, you know and and I, I mean that in a fun way these are directors who are playing in a technological sandbox who yeah. have leads like in val kilmer and you know especially in willow mm-hmm. and somebody like uh bruce campbell who are both not only so charismatic but very physical actors and so you know it but it was it was like i I truly was like oh my god this movie was rated r and i was thinking it was a children's movie did you think this movie was rated r emily did this feel r to you i mean when i watched it now or back and i was very cognizant that it was rated r back when it came out sure but i mean now it doesn't feel like an r-rated movie to you now does it no, I mean, I guess I I didn't pay attention to the language. Just Bruce Campbell swear twice, like that. That maybe, could be maybe, maybe, but not a ton, you know. And yeah. is there a decapitation? Am I making that up? I feel like oh, I'm sure there is, but you know, yeah. this is like yeah. also, yeah. I I don't feel like so. I feel like especially with Army of Darkness too. This is one where the special effects are this wonderful throwback yeah. to, you know, the, the stop motion and Harryhausen and all of that. Right. And, um, and so I would argue that the special effects in evil dead and evil dead Two feel more real, you know, cause I yes. was like it, where, so, so with these decapitate, you know, yes, I'm sure there's a decapitation and there's, you know, blood everywhere and limbs going flying, but like there's limbs going, well, I guess Monty Python's about, you know, I thought a lot yes. about Monty Python yes. and the Holy yes. Grail as well. So, um, and of course, certainly not a kid's movie, but uh, yeah, I just like, I know what you're it's saying. A, yeah. It's a tough one. This movie is, I- Yes, please. I think it's one of those cases where you know how like people will cut a couple things to get down to the PG-13. This feels like they included a couple of things to get the R. And I can't know what they are, but by the standards of the MPAA in 1992, they got it over that line. Of you know? course. I, so it's funny you bring that up because there is this whole thing that I was reading about when I was doing um, some research on this. And, it, and there was sort of this back and forth on the RPG rating thing. And it was more that they just ultimately Universal just kind of gave up on the movie, kind of. Like, they they tested it. It did fine. There wasn't really anything they could really do with it. It wasn't... So they they gave Raimi a bunch of opportunities to edit it himself in order to get it to a place where they felt it was, you know, going to work better with audiences. And we'll talk about the, you know, original ending versus the ending that they ultimately went with. But Universal then shepherded it out to somebody else to do a cut and that's how they got to like 82 or 81 minutes i think ultimately it got to a place where universal just wanted it to be as short as possible so that they could show it as many times in theaters and, and keep it as punchy and, and as as they could um i mean i don't know I, I i this movie 
flies by. It's it's a blast. I, I think that it's under and I I vividly remember as a kid in a video store seeing the poster for this movie, um, which for our listeners is is. Uh, it's sort of it almost looks like a harlequin novel cover kind of where you've got like ash shirtless basically with like scraps of his shirt and he's busting his muscles are busting out and he's got the chainsaw and he's got the gun and and like he's got M. Beth davids in this like weird sort of pose like it's all very dramatic and i just remember as a kid just being like what is that movie like i just it was so arresting to me and to think that no one went to see this movie just bumps me out but anyway it's also just like such a weird representation of what this movie movie is um i mean like the certainly that iconic evil dead 2 image of the skeleton of the skull Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. and the side eye but you know is not necessarily a great representation of that movie either. no absolutely um but but army of darkness calling it army of Dar- and i'm sure there i know that yes. you know evil dead yes. are pre- you know three dead. army yeah, 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 yeah. sure yes. um but it's confusing it's confusing <laughs> and i, I well, would if you imagine call it medieval dead it would have been more confusing i imagine yeah, i I mean, maybe, but also <laughs> at least you have to, if you go, oh, evil yeah. dead, maybe I've, I think yeah. it's just, it's just, I'm fascinated by I agree with that. how this third installment came to be by a major studio. I get it yeah. on the one hand of mm-hmm. like, oh, let's snap up some small property and see if we can make it into a, you know, mm-hmm. mainstream franchise, but it's, um, it's, it's also just- a bit of a blank check. Because Raimi's coming off of uh, Darkman, Dark yes, which did quite well for Universal. So he's, and, and I mean, not again, not a gigantic success, but enough of a success that Raimi feels like he has a chance to be able to cash in some of his chips in order to make this movie. Um, you know, again, as we mentioned, an eleven million dollar budget in 1992 is probably the equivalent of thirty or forty today, which is not yep. nothing. I looked um, it up; it's but, like twenty-seven ish. Oh, okay, there you go. So it's you know, but it's it. it it is interesting. So, Emily, you saw this. I, this was not the second movie you saw in theaters, correct? In 1992? Of wouldn't the two it be movies fun you if saw? It would be. It, it would, would be. be. No, I saw this many years. What was the first one? Remind me again. Uh, Aladdin. Yeah. Sure, sure. I saw Aladdin. And we're we're going on a journey. We're going to find out what the second one we're is. Gonna find, I, keep, I can't wait. I'm excited. I keep forgetting this story arc is going, and it's just going <laughs> to resolve at some point. By the by, before I answer this, have either yes. of you seen the international poster? Because if you haven't, no, I'm dropping it in the chat. Right it oh, is, drop it in the chat. That'd be great. It is fantastic. It is even weirder than the U.S. poster. <laughs> so to describe this for our listeners, it is... Um, it's a very ripped. Ver- it almost looks like a Conan the Barbarian. That's exactly book. what yes. I was about to say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where he's, it's, it's a fully ripped version of Ash that does not exist in any of these movies. Essentially, and his head is tilted back, so you, it doesn't you look like even, Bruce Campbell. Yeah. It's yeah. almost orgasmic as he's holding up his uh, his boomstick and his uh, chainsaw hand. Um, I can't read what the tagline is, but yeah, that is how, a how can. How can you destroy an army that's already dead? Oh, great, great, fantastic! Yeah, yeah you know, I, I'm, I'm beginning to not beginning to, but I fully agree with you, Clark, on the dumping the Evil Dead component from the title is a head scratcher, because even if you're sort of like, well, you know, those movies didn't do that great, wouldn't you still want to glom off whatever you can? 
Exactly. Very strange. Very strange. Unless they, unless Universal was like, but this also gets us out of having to be bound to those first two video nasties, schlocky, you know, and these are not my words, of course, but like, you know, um, so, so maybe that's the thinking is like for the fans who get it, they get it. But for Mm -hmm. the people, if we can attract this new audience to this sort of you know mi- you know swashbuckling adventure mm-hmm. with horror and special effects then we don't have to go back to a cabin in the woods we don't have to go you yeah. know and yeah. and so on i get that i mean i i i this is a perfect opportunity to tell you guys um what the title of this movie is in japan which oh, yeah. is captain supermarket <laughs> <laughs> which i mean gotta be honest that sounds would good see that that sounds good yeah <laughs> Just that international poster with with the Conan. Imagine, yeah, imagine that you're just like a tired Japanese office worker and you're coming home from work. And you're like, I'm going to see a movie. And you're like, oh, Captain Supermarket. That sounds good. So you go and you sit down. And you're like, when the fuck is the supermarket going to be? Supermarket going to be coming to play? Truly. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I, I also think it's great that the original script was 43 pages long, which for anyone who, who knows features, uh, that's really short um can i be honest though i mean based on the finished product i where did they get they got to 50 pages maybe i mean it's a it is a flimsy tale uh uh, yes uh, but you know sure it works sweet it's i so you know it's it's also interesting too because another movie that i was thinking about as i was watching this was the new dungeons and dragons Mm-hmm. Um, because I think both of those movies again walk sort of this fine line of acknowledgement of the genre that they're a part of, and also an earnestness towards the storytelling itself. You know, I, I don't remember what film it was we were talking about this, Emily, but there there is sort of this that the snark that exists now, that especially within the Marvel films, hmm. and I think that this movie, um, similarly to Dungeons and Dragons isn't winking like there's no deadpool winkiness to this movie really there's some of it but i don't i mean do you guys what what are your feelings about sort of like ash versus a kind of deadpool-esque thing because it is a weird balance that he's striking i think that ash i think that ash is not meta in the way that deadpool is in a way that like he is mugging, but he's mugging for his own satisfaction. Like he's, <laughs> he's just doing it because he's like stuck in a weird scenario. <laughs> I think it's that. Okay, so you're in like you're in. Um, this is this is a weird tangent, but say you're in a car accident. Your brain kind of leaves your body, and you like perceive it as though you're in a movie. That's what's happening to Ash. He's like being attacked by zombies. So he's just like, this is not really happening. Therefore, I'm in a movie. Therefore, I'm going to play a character in a movie. But he is not. He doesn't take that extra step over to, I know I'm in a movie. He's just like, who? what would be the cool thing to do in a movie? So he has like a catchphrase and, you know, he does all the stuff. But like, I feel like an Ash versus Evil Dead surprisingly got into this a little bit. I feel like he'd be a very traumatized person (laughs) after all of this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, I I agree. It is it is interesting because let, let's talk about the 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 two endings for a second because I think that does play into this. Because there's a part of me that's like 
the original ending for those that don't know or have not seen it it's on youtube you can watch it but essentially uh ash takes too many drops from the various elixir that he's given in order to get home something that we don't even see in the theatrical cut like it's just off screen he just like makes it home in the original version he he takes one drop too many he goes to sleep he wakes up in a post-apocalyptic world and screams i overslept or i slept too long uh credits and I just want, I want to be clear that every day with my baby is like that. I wake (laughs) up and like the baby's screaming and I'm like, I slept too long. And I'm trapped in a post-apocalyptic hellscape (laughs) where we're just like, everything's covered in vomit and blood. Sounds great. I'm beginning to sound like I'm a bad parent. I know what, I'm a wonderful mother. And I I had a whole therapy session about that today. It's going to be great. So I think what's interesting about these two endings is that one of them, if you ask me, feels like more of an ellipse to another movie, to a next movie. The idea of him waking up in the apocalypse to me feels like more adventures to come as Ash tries to figure out his way to get back to his time or whatever the case might be. The version that Universal essentially asks them to do is the one that was in theaters, which is he wakes, he, he we see him back at S-Mart, uh, a Deadite has made it through because yet again, he doesn't say the proper terminology Mm -hmm. when he's using the book of the dead. Um, And he has to kill this deadite and he does. And then he kisses the woman who works at the S Mart and credits. And it feels more finite. It certainly feels more sort of like, and that's the end of this story. And you don't necessarily feel a pull towards resolving Ash's story necessarily. Um, I don't really know where I fall in these two endings because I think the universal ending or the theatrical ending is more fun. It's certainly more playful. It certainly isn't as sort of (laughs) dark and apocalyptic as the other one is, but the other one just feels more appropriate, if that makes sense, to the series. Like, am I crazy? No, I mean, but I actually, it's funny. My reading of the, of the post-apocalyptic ending was, was actually, I, I totally agree. Like, I wonder you might have it in your research, Phil, but I wonder it was the plan if they could have, you know, was it to it Ash versus the apocalypse? Like, I mean, truly, I don't I, know that they had that locked and loaded, but it certainly felt as though because all the movies end in that sort of way, I mean, hell, Raimi even does it at the end of Doctor Strange 2. Like, there's kind of a fuck you to the audience at the end of all of his movies where he kind of thumbs you in the eye and says, see ya. Like, that's kind of his thing. Yeah. With the with the original <laughs> ending, to me, it did feel more of like, to me, it, it didn't feel more final than the S-Mart ending. Because, you know, certainly the the smart ending act feels more like sam raimi now to me in that it's like the curse has followed you home you thought you were you yeah. thought you were free and now you but you are That's not and this will be with you forever whereas post apocalyptic ending i is like is this a dream is he high he's going to wake up you know what i mean like he he sure. took too many drops and so it's really was lsd or something you know right, right, right. and he and we get to evil dead 4 from universal mm-hmm. in this alternate universe and he wakes up and he's like whoa shouldn't have taken so much of those those <laughs> drops you know and then right. it's like wherever we are we are you know i see yeah i can see both those versions i i mean did you have a both of you, did you have a preference? 
I do have a clear preference, yes. Which is, Which is I, I actually like the theatrical ending better. I like the S-Mart okay. ending better. I, I, you know, that, I and, and it's not fair because it's had more time to circulate, you know, certainly, but like all the things, the hail to the king, baby, like, you know, all that stuff is like, whether I think it's, I think it's goofy, but it doesn't matter. It's what, it's what is associated yeah. with this, sure. like hail to the king, baby is a, is a tagline, I think, on ash versus evil dead or something you know so so whatever they were forced into by universal it doesn't feel like they were necessarily hindered by it sure. um and and so i i actually do prefer the smart ending emily i think i do too i like, like i it's close for me like i do like the idea of the post-apocalyptic ending but there's something about the way the smart ending plays like it's being forced on the movie that is like really <laughs> This is the so one, fast. Yeah, this is the one franchise where the movie feeling like it's been doomed by the studio kind of works in its favor. Yep. You know, I where it's that. like, oh, the studio came in and said, we have to do this. So we're going to do the most cynical version possible. And you're like, yeah, fuck you, studio. I'm having <laughs> a great time. It does. I mean, I, first of all, I like them both, just to be clear. Like, I don't I don't know that I... I think there's pros and cons to both of them is basically what it comes down to. But I'll say this. Generally speaking, I think we can safely say that studio endings are usually bad. Um, studio endings usually hurt the movie or or it feels jarring or it just... You know, whatever the case might be. There's And there's, you know, loads of them. This is one of the good ones. This is one, I think, where, to Emily's point, Raimi found a way to make it, you know, harmonize with the movie that came before it. It still feels um, organic to the movie as opposed to when those things feel shoehorned. I feel like there is a thing where as long as Ash is being pursued by the dead, it doesn't matter what time or place he's in. And that's why that's both fair. versions can work. And also I would argue to that point, Emily, really kind of, opens the door to where the franchise has gone right like i do think yeah. that army of darkness really shows the pliability of this property and the end of it really kind of opens the doors to basically do whatever you want with this right like it's it's kind of you know whatever but um watching this film similar to you um clark i found myself watching this going like Raimi was so perfect for Spider-Man. Like the idea yes. that there was ever anyone else in the conversation is kind of insane when you think about it. Like obviously the people that were are the people that were and they all made sense. But the 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 sort of unfettered joy that he's able to put in his movies. Um, and it's not even just a love for movies, but like a love for cameras like the I, he just loves making the camera into a character in and of itself it's just so much fun to watch like it's it, as a viewer it's infectious oh yeah it's but, so yeah. it's so it's so smart uh as, as you know as, as smart, smart. Yeah. uh yeah. but it, it really is like I, if nothing else you know one of the things that i truly enjoyed watching 
Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness kind of all in a weekend is seeing how good they were to begin with. I mean, truly, like when you go back, you know, if you're a student of film, especially in the 70s and horror and, you know, that independent sort of genre storyteller's arc, you know, uh, uh, Evil Dead, I would argue, is like the best made maybe of all of those guys first movies it's the best acted i think um but but seeing seeing how good he was to to begin with and then seeing where he got to in army of darkness and getting to play with his toys you know um but also uh use and use uh, the way he uses the camera the way that it is there's so much throwback involved there's so many references but also there's so much him there's so much that makes Sam Raimi Sam Raimi in all of these movies but especially in Army of Darkness um because I think when Sam has a budget you know like it, it that's what makes him magical that's what makes that's what makes him a magical storyteller and someone who I would argue unlike maybe some of his contemporaries who get too lost in the tech especially now yeah. There's still, like, I will say in Doctor Strange, you know, in Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange, were, did I see the Marvel stuff? Yes, of course I did. You know, we, you know what you're going to see when you see a Marvel movie. But there were certain sequences where oh. I saw Sam Raimi and I was well, like, this movie see, in particular. This is- yes. The Shattered Mirror being a perfect example of that, of, you know, him kind of going back to the well a little bit and using that in, in Doctor Strange. I mean, I, I, Doctor Strange, I was pleasantly, um, uh, surprised by i thought it had a lot of great raimi stuff in it um you know fucking what is the oz movie that he did emily uh your favorite powerful listen (laughs) we all know that that movie ended with the surprise twist of the wizard getting tossed 500 years into the future of oz and running into bombi who's like i need your head wizard and he looks at the camera and goes here we go again like that was a pretty wild ending i that Oz movie is rough. Oh, it's, um, it's, it's, it's terrible. It, it is <laughs> it terrible. Is rough. It's, it feels exactly the opposite of all the things we were just talking about, right? Like it feels so corporate. It's lacking all of that joy. Most of it I would put on the shoulders of James Franco, who's fucking terrible in that movie and seems to be just showing up for the paycheck. Um, it, it's, it's a rough movie. So I was happy to see... Sam Raimi show back up in Doctor Strange 2 and seeing that sort of like fun back in his making in his in his movie making. By the way, if you don't subscribe to the Patreon, if you just want to hear me nerd out about Oz, I do there. Like Oh, she does. Oz, Let me tell you guys. Oz is the best. If you want if you want to hear about Emily's feelings on Return to Oz. Clark, have you seen Return to Oz? You know, it was one that I saw as a very small child, but I, even as a very small child, was like, excuse me, where is Dorothy? Where is Judy Garland? Wizard of Oz also. Wizard of Oz and Labyrinth. Wizard of Oz was playing when I was born, essentially. Like, it is in my DNA. And so, even as a small child, I was like, this is not. (laughs) This is not my Oz. This is not my Oz. So Whereas my... Emily watched that as a child and was said, yes. this, this is, is my Oz. Oz. I was like, <laughs> I was such a fan of the books that I watched the the MGM movie, which just 
it's, it's a wonderful movie. I have no, sure. no shit on that movie. But I was like, where are the China people? Where are the people made out of porcelain? You know, where is <laughs> oh, the... Yeah. I forgot yeah. about her. Yeah. There's like, a, there's like a fucking... A whole quarter of the book that they just cut out for the movie because it makes sense to do that because it just adds nothing. But like, I was, I was like, I want to see that... I was like, I'm gonna make a, uh, I'm gonna make a faithful adaptation of The Wizard of Oz for Disney Plus. Can't wait. We're all on. <laughs> we're all waiting. There's, I, there's 16 of those books. I'm gonna adapt all of them. So I, I want to talk for a second about Bruce Campbell because I think that Bruce Campbell, who, you know, is so perfectly suited for these films, um, but also feels like an actor who should have been born in the 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, or been around in the 30s. Like I, just, I yes, need to clarify please. when I yeah. screamed, where are the Chinese people? Yes, they meant, uh, literal, they meant people, literal China. They're people yes. made out yes. of made out of porcelain. China, <laughs> I was thankful that you followed is, it up. And I just, yeah, I was like, China. whoa, what did I just say? That is, <laughs> listen. It's good uh, to be clear. Yeah. Just Very wanted to clear. run the yeah. podcast back a little bit. For those who yeah. have seen um, the Oz Great and Powerful, or the Grand Powerful yes. Laws or whatever, there is a little girl made of China. Yes. I can't remember what the actress who played Joey King. Is. Joey oh, King. Joey King. And that is a yeah. that is taken from the pages of the Wonderful Wizard of Oz, where they sure. go to a land made out of China and like everything's breakable. Before sure. so I meant that. <laughs> yes. yes <laughs> Before please, we Clark. move on to Bruce Campbell, I I did want to interject real fast yes. that as a person who's obsessed with the the Victor Fleming Wizard of Oz, I have always seen flashes of the wizard of oz in sam raimi's work i think the wizard of oz for a lot of people is the first horror movie they ever saw and so i see it in you know uh the the scene early in black and white with mr marvel you know and and getting the fortune told and drag me to hell there are camera shots that are very reminiscent of you know throughout all of sam's work and so i just i did want to say that i see it throughout his repertoire and it is so sad to me that that is when he got to play in the wizard of oz sandbox that it was the one you know what i mean i really think like there's a story there but 100 and and i would argue too that like it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I mean, the movie sucks for a bunch of reasons, but I really stand by the fact that the casting of James 
James Franco is so catastrophic to the movie because he's a protagonist. He's the person we're supposed to be locked into. And he's so dead eyed and, and lacking in all charisma that it really kind of sinks the entire movie. Cause like my issue with the film is not the aesthetics necessarily, even though it's kind of a little bit of a kitchen sink movie. And I don't even really have a problem with the story that it's telling, even if it's a little derivative and whatever, it's just this black hole at the center of it that just which is too it. bad because you know like yeah. they clearly made so many movies together that that's also a drag you know like like what what happened that you made three yeah. very successful collaborations and then did this new one in theory to start a new franchise you know what i mean yeah, um I, I hear you 100 it's a, I, it, no, well, it's just a I bummer mean, it was supposed to be robert Downey jr that was the original cast yes and, which which oh you, my god which you, you see right you're just like yeah okay i get what that movie is i need that movie though <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, that's just not the one we got. I know, yeah. but could we? <laughs> Emily, can, can you get the RDJ on the line and and Frank Baum? And, uh, and make yes, up? can yeah. we put Robert Downey Jr. in your movie, Emily? Yeah, or your, yeah, your Disney, Disney Plus, Plus movie. Yeah, he's gonna play all the parts. It's gonna be motion oh, capture. Oh, great! Oh, wonderful! Yeah. Just like uh, just like uh, the sympathizer. Listen, he's listen. A of... <laughs> he's a wonderful Dorothy. He's an even better Toto. It's amazing. I, I believe all of this. I believe that actually. too. I so. But I, this does kind of connect to the Bruce Campbell thing yes. too, right? Which is that the only movies that that Bruce Campbell stars in for Sam Raimi are, are these three films. Bruce Campbell pops up in future films. He has an amazing cameo in Doctor Strange too, uh, and he is the button at the end of the credits, which is just incredible. Um, I I love their energy and would love to see him make a movie with Bruce Campbell as the lead again. But Ash. Almost feels like the only character that Bruce, the only leading man character Bruce Campbell could potentially play. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, he's played other leading roles. He was on Burn Notice for a million years. Uh, he did a bunch of TV. Um, you like Burn Notice, right, Emily? You know, spies, bunch of bitchy little girls. That's what he says in the opening credits. I watched a lot of Burn Notice. I, I can't, like, I, I thought it was a fun show. Like, I was not... <laughs> I was not one of those people who was like super into it, but I think sure. it's a, yeah, I have liked him in other stuff. I feel like he, the problem is every time he plays a lead role, he's just playing, you know, he's just playing Ash. Because it's, um, it's, it feels almost like when you're a composer and you make a temp score and then a director comes to you and says, so I used your temp score to do, so can you just do that again? And they're just like, but I don't want to sound the same every fucking time. I wonder. And well, and we we sort of, you know, as as nerds and fans of the franchise know that, you know, Bruce and Rob Tappert and Sam Raimi and Ivan and Ted, you know, these guys all were in it and wearing so many hats in so many ways that I think the argument, and it's one of the reasons I think the fans love Bruce Campbell so much, is is not only because obviously he's very talented, he's so talented on camera, but he kind of was creating this, writing this role for yeah. himself and, and producing these movies with them. And so I think that that was a tr maybe an accidental trap at the time. It was like clearly 
these behind the behind the scenes folks were in some ways Bruce's biggest cheerleaders. Like he's handsome, he can tell a joke, he's physical, he he can do so many different things, and he's a very good actor that it's like this role is too perfect for him in a way, you know? And and so where do you go from there? I agree. And, and I, you know, it's funny you, br- you bring up the fans thing because I feel mm-hmm. in its own way, like um, he's almost like the anti-Shatner in the yes. sense that like, like he, he recognized that Ash became what Ash became and that it was always going to be this adored, you know, fan character beloved character and he just wrapped his arms around it he wrote books about it he wrote you know he does all the conventions he loves all of it and i think part of that love is in the actual work itself too right like when you see the sticky stuff that he does when it becomes full-on three stooges shit when like Ramy and him are just i mean Ramy has said it best like i just like kicking the shit out of bruce campbell it's just funny to me so like i think that there's so much kind of baked into the joy of making these movies and the joy that people get from it um he's he's just not he's just not you know stuck up about it he just loves everything about it um but i you know i also just think that delivering a line like well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. <laughs> I've got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things, Jack and shit, and Jack just left town. There's not a ton of people that can pull off a line like that in a way that is fun and playful and 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 just yeah, just wonderful. There's so- I, sorry, go ahead, Emily. Sorry. I just wanna I want I'm looking at Bruce Campbell's filmography. I feel like in what he does now is he just Bruce Campbell's like sweet is he's going to play somebody you've heard of before and it's going to be bruce campbell as this person and i feel like his great one-two punch is in 2014 he plays uh on an episode of librarians he plays santa claus and then his immediate next role is in fargo he plays ronald reagan and i'm like that's the bruce campbell i know and love he's just he's coming in to play about him on fargo he was good he's so good as reagan and you're just like "Mm -hmm." Yeah. yeah Uh, he um you know with the with the dialogue though and those lines yes. that that line in particular but so many especially from army of darkness are reminiscent to me of the um you know rowdy 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 yes. piper line from they live it, mm-hmm. it it makes me wonder like what could have been had bruce done a movie with John Carpenter, especially when like taking Kurt Russell's part in, totally. you know, Big Trouble or whatever. Or the uh, thing. I mean, I would, yeah. that would be interesting. I mean, I don't well, know, you know. That would but, be interesting. But but the, there's an energy and a fun to Bruce Campbell yes. that um that just leaps off the screen. Oh. Um but it yeah, it's just this some people must have been they're just made to make cult movies there you know it's like that's the and and i think what's so smart about bruce again rob tappert is a bazillionaire at this point the fact that the again these guys are so smart they have been so business savvy i'm just fascinated by this because i'm like what taking every opportunity and just running with it. And I think that Bruce, especially embracing being a cult figure when, as you use the Shatner example, like so many 
have the complete opposite uh, reaction is just smart business savvy. It's just I, I agree. brilliant. I think he's he's very aware of his place in film history or 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 just filmmaking in general. I never saw Bubba Hotep. Did you guys see it? Yeah, it's I, fine. I watched. Yeah, it's. I agree with him. It's like I I think people are you know it's fine. Yeah, I I this 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 is my my Bruce Campbell story. I'm just yeah. gonna unleash Great. here. So he yeah. writes this book, If Chins Could Kill, um, that came yes. out in, I yes. think, a great 2000, cover. 2001, 2002, somewhere in there. And he goes on this long, long, lengthy book tour. And book tours never come to South Dakota, where I grew up. Really? But the Bruce Campbell book tour came to the Barnes & Noble in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I just happened to be there that day. And I was like, Bruce Campbell's here. I don't know who that is because I hadn't seen anything. Like at that point in time, I thought it was <laughs> Billy Campbell from uh, the Rocketeer. Now and again, which of, course, which of course a great. I love the Rocketeer. You know, I loved Once and Again, but then I saw the cover of the book and I was like, "That is not. <laughs> that is not Billy Campbell." But I was like, "You know what? I should do this. When am I ever going to meet a celebrity again?" So I purchased a copy of the book, stood in a line that was like two hours long to meet this actor I'd never heard of. And I'm at the, I was the very last person and I get up to the front and I hand it over to Bruce Campbell and I'm like, my name's Emily, you know, could you make it out to me? And then I said, I love you so much in, and I just somehow pulled out of my brain, the adventures of Briscoe County junior. And he was so happy that like someone had mentioned that. And he was like, wow, that's great. Thank you so much, Emily. To Emily, my best friend from Briscoe. Anyway, that's in a storage Wait. unit somewhere. <laughs> Hold on. Did you know that he was in that? Or did or was this a flyer I that think you just that I, I think I had figured it because I was a huge X-Files fan. But, like, I watched a lot of Briscoe County Jr. because of that. So, like, I think I had figured out who he, where, where I knew him from. And that's you know why I why that's I fantastic. have the career I do. I love that. But yeah, yeah. somewhere yeah. in a storage unit, I have a copy of If Chins Could Kill signed with "Hey Emily, have a great day." It's Did Briscoe Bruce. It? Oh, I have no idea what's in that book. <laughs> God damn it! I I mean I do think though um, that even Bruce Campbell has his limitations when it comes to some, like the line "Give me some sugar, baby." Uh, um, Sam Raimi came up with on the day. And Bruce Campbell thought it was the stupidest line he'd ever heard. Um, but it fucking works, man. Like, I gotta say, it's silly, but it works. Uh, yeah, there, I... You don't like, give me, give me some sugar, baby? You're not you into know, it? You know, I don't think he wanted to say it. So if a man said that to you, it, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't love it. As we've discussed, I don't care for romance. <laughs> I like that you interpret that as romance. My while I was telling my Bruce Campbell story, my baby started crying, and uh -huh. and my wife just sent me a message saying the baby hated that story. <laughs> yeah, you're getting like live feedback on your tales on your podcasting, a live so studio what, what, audience. But what are your thoughts I, on sugar? Um, I, give me some sugar, baby, Claire. I could okay. tell that he didn't want to say it. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I think as you an know, actor, I, you sensed that. I did. I kind of did because I was like, eh. <laughs> I will say, unfortunately, like the the other characters in this movie, and to be fair, 
they may have been left on the cutting room floor. Sure, sure. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, cause I have not seen any director's cut. I have not seen anything aside from the version that's, you know, e- more easily accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is the one place that I felt sort of as an adult coming. Cause I remember sure. the first time I saw army of darkness, I had a really cool high school teacher and she showed us army of darkness one year in like AP. English or something I don't know it was it was something really okay. silly or maybe it was film class like I they had a film elective and and but either way I remember laughing hysterically at a lot of like the you know the gags um but what re-watching it as an adult I could appreciate the Sam Raimi-isms I definitely appreciate Bruce's performance and sure. so on and the technology at the time however there were moments where I was like okay, uh, we're going to do another seven-minute sequence with the skeletons or tiny versions of, I, I would like some other people. That'd be, or some more deadites. I would love some deadites. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, with the kiss, I guess that's what I'm getting at, is like, I, I was like, you don't know that woman. Get your hands off her. <laughs> I, don't, I don't disagree with that. I, I also think, you know, to, to harken back to something you said a little earlier about... Evil Dead 1 and 2 feeling more tangible um, and sort of there's a tactility to those films because they're low budget and that stuff's all built. This movie being at a a sort of a fulcrum point special effects wise, um, Raimi's taking a swing at some computer generated stuff and that, that, you know, is just kind of coming into its, into its own. Um, so he's there there is a lack of that going on right like there's a lack of that and i i think about the mini ashes are great <laughs> this is fantastic Emily's baby give me that just mic smacking the give microphone me that mic. um i think the mini ashes are kind of a comedic and technical marvel um and i don't think they necessarily overstay their welcome like i think they're only kind of in it for a little bit and then he swallows one and it grows out of him and you know and then you get two and whatever um and there's like a gulliver's travels kind of vibe when he's strapped to the ground and like all that stuff is fun but to your point it's 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 very pg like it's it's very kind of like you know um silly it reminded me of the brownies Um, and willow it's kevin pollock and the other guy you know what i mean the other guy i'm sorry oh god i don't I don't know. I don't know who the other person is. So sorry to you. the other gentleman who <laughs> the plays other gentleman. the other. Uh, maybe brownie. Emily's going to find that out. It looks like Emily's maybe looking. Um, it's hard to say. Uh, I, I do think um, you're making a very valid point in the sense that we really only have we've got the first deadite woman, the the older woman early on, the, the kind of witch. There's mm-hmm. that fight, and then then he fights another woman at the S Mart at the end. Mm-hmm. And then there's why are they all women? And then there's a third woman. I don't. I'm just gonna just. Uh, I don't know. Your audience who can't see me. This is my one problem with the. (laughs) Clark is uh, is given a voice. And I love him. I love him. It does seem odd that the deadites all are women in this. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm and I will let you guys unpack that as the as the as the three women on this podcast. Rick, right now. Yeah. Rick over Rick Overton is the other. Yes, Rick gentleman. Overton. I, I apologize to you, Rick. Overton. And you know what? I didn't know that the baby did. She just whispered it in my. 
She's so smart. She's really That's smart. That's why she was grabbing the mic. She was grabbing the mic. She's like, like, I know the answer. Over yeah, Hello? Yeah. yeah. But oh, she does not seem happy. I I know what you're saying, Clark. That it is it is strange, um, and it is something that people ding um, uh, drag me to hell with as well. Uh, there is kind of this cultural appropriation that older the elderly woman that is oh, kind sure. of the demon in that, and so take from that what you'd like. Sure, but sure. in this, there's really kind of only three deadites that he fights, um, and then you've got of an army of skeletons, which is obviously a nod to Harryhausen and all that kind of stuff, um, which kind of weirdly swallows the movie. Um, so I, you're, you're, it's not falling on deaf ears, what you're saying. I think there's there's something to, to that. I find I find the skeleton and the all the stop motion and all the things that they're, yes. he's doing, I, I find sure. it very charming. Like, I, I want to be clear. I'm not like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I enjoy no, the I movie. Yeah. But knowing that there was a lot missing from yes. what they shot, I think it's yes. like, oh, yeah, the character stuff. Because I will also say, like, to the franchise's credit, yeah. I, I in the first movie, you get a very clear sense of who these five characters are, what their relationship totally. is to one another. You also have stakes, like, with the other gentleman who's like, sorry, Ash, that's your girlfriend, like, kill her, yeah. you know, or whatever. Yeah. And it's it's like, whoa, this is intense. This is, like, mm-hmm. cool, interesting stuff. And then, of course, in the second movie, the outside of, you know, the the uh, archaeologist's daughter yep, yep, or, yep. you know, whatever, um, it, it coming in and they have to solve a mystery or they have to figure out something yeah. together. So they're, 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 I guess what I'm saying is the precedent up until this point, yeah. yes, it's the Bruce Campbell show in Evil Dead 2 and we love it. We love to see it. But yeah, I guess I, but I, I felt it. Yeah, the, the lack the of departure. interpersonal relationships that you're speaking yes. of in the first two films is felt very much so. Yes. And Sheila, sure. the M. Beth Davids character, um, isn't given that I, I can only assume there's more scenes with her and, and just it kind of got cut away. But yeah. Emily, you look like you have something you want to say. I mean, I'm going to try and say this around the baby expressing her feelings on things. Um, But uh, yeah, I think that what's interesting is the, uh, the 2013 movie and evil dead rise keep up with that. Like here's a core series Mm. of relationships that are really, um, you know, finely sketched. And this just like, this doesn't have that aspect of it. And even, even Ash versus evil dead. Kelly and Pablo are yeah, like yeah. great characters yep. and you know all the other people <clears throat> that that surround him are mm-hmm. great actors and and those relationships really matter so you know I guess in talking this all out the one thing that I can land on is that those scenes just got cut <laughs> and that's yeah. not maybe any and then fault. you get like your villain is Bruce Campbell <laughs> which is fun it's I fun like but that. it's it's again kind of more Bruce Campbell right like you're yes. not you're, you're not getting another big bad for instance that at least could have given us maybe uh, you know uh, something to, to to play off of and again the makeup's fantastic on the sort of undead version of of Ash um, all that stuff is great there's an amazing moment in it where he um, Ash is going to try to get the um, Necronomicon. And he has to, in order to remove the book safely, he has to say the words, Klaatu, Barada, Niktu. Um, and when he gets there, he says, nobody said anything about three books, which is fantastic. And then he opens one and it's it sucks him into the book. He then pulls himself out of the book and it like 
elongates his face and he has to do all this crazy shit. And then he goes, whoa, wrong book, which I just think like it's again, like this stuff isn't rocket science, but like when you can hit those beats and it can be so much fun and funny, I just love it. Flash is the everyman. I think that yes, is a yes. big part. It, it's he's the everyman that the everyman wants to be. You know, it's like it, it's. I, I work at a retail. I work retail. I live in Michigan. I'm a working class blue collar guy, yeah. um, and I'm thrown into this crazy situation. Absolutely. How would I react? And I think that that core, because I would also argue that Ash, the character, changes in a lot of ways throughout the franchise. Yeah. But nonetheless, at his core, that's who Ash is. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that is what has made him so appealing to so many people over so many years. He's yeah. very lovable. There's something sort of dopey and lovable and also kind of kick-ass about him. And I mean, I get it. It's it, it's and and he's he's kind of and he's always getting beating up, beaten up. He's kind of a loser, um, but he's created this puffed up his chest to create this character that he sees as his only way out of these situations. But then you kind of get this movie that you don't get that many versions of it or, or moments of it. But like there are moments, certainly in the first two Evil Deads, where you're getting kind of past his armor and you. You are seeing a guy who's genuinely scared and doesn't know how to navigate the situation. And there's a moment near the end of this film when um, he's he comes back to the castle and he knows that he's got the book and he's just like, I just need to get the fuck back home or whatever. And someone is like some just townsperson says something to him and he says, yeah, get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> like you can tell that he's like irritable and annoyed. And that's the everyman part where it's just like, I just want to go home. Like, just how do I get home? It's, it's great. And, and again, this movie is very short, but I'll just say that when it comes to Ash's arc and it's a relatively predictable arc of get me home, get me home. Oh, I'm fucking over these people. I need to help and teach these people how to defeat this army so that I can, you know, leave on good terms and that I I won't feel guilty and all of that. So you do kind of get this very brief training sequence. Um, And then you have sort of this crazy army that attacks. I want to ask you guys about Embeth Davids and Sheila's character. Embeth, who has been very outspoken about not enjoying making this film. Um, I think it was a a tough shoot. It was a rough shoot. Um, The makeup, the various things she had to go through, just a lot of stunt stuff. And and no surprise, she has never done it again since. Um, Doesn't seem like it's her bag. But in 93, she's got this and Schindler's List, which is a real, real range in terms of what she's capable of. And I think she's great. When she shows up on Mad Men, she's fantastic. But what are your thoughts on Embeth and and maybe Sheila in this film, Emily? She's she's not. I mean, she's she's. You said what about Sheila's character? And I was like, oh, right, her name is Sheila. Um, it, like touche. Talking about this earlier made me realize there is kind of like a sexist streak that runs through these three movies. That it's not like I never like sit down and think of them that way. I think because the Bruce Campbell of it all makes it feel like these movies don't really mean anything they say, which I think lets them get away with some shit. Obviously tree rape is like the overwhelming takeaway from this franchise for a number of people, including my wonderful (laughs) wife who took the baby away, who took the baby away to go sleep. Yes. (laughs) 
Um, but that that's closing off that story arc. Um, that, uh, but yeah, like, you know, um, uh, Evil Dead 2 is not quite as bad, but then this movie's like just so many, you know, all, all the really main um, deadites are women. And what's interesting is like, I don't detect that running through the rest of Raimi's work. Like, I think Mary Jane Watson is one of the great superhero characters. Um, I adore her. I adore Kirsten Dunst's, Dunst's Dunst's performance as her Chris Kirsten Dunstan checks in um yeah but yeah there is that and like I do think that some of it just sometimes sometimes like you know you hear these stories somebody just doesn't want to be on a thing and that or in a movie and they are like constantly you know kind of just like they're not all checked in so then it becomes like the filmmakers it becomes like a vicious cycle where the filmmakers like push them further and the actor wants to be there less and not nobody's lines ever technically get crossed but it's just like a really bad work environment and nobody wants to be there and it kind of feels like that's what happened here yeah i think this was a big movie like the big studio movie she didn't really know what she signed up for um and at this time in particular where as we mentioned sort of at this crossroads of uh practical effects and special effects i imagine it was just physically demanding and not fun to do so i fucking i fucking love her i just sorry clark i just gotta say i fucking love her in the 2005 movie june bug which was amy adams first uh oscar Oscar nomination i think that's a wonderful little movie and she's great in it go ahead clark um i think that also when i okay so first of all making a horror movie especially an ambitious one and these guys, and I say that because, like, this team who has been on this Ash, you know, Evil Dead roller coaster for all this time, sure. they are ambitious with every little budget they are given, right? Yeah. They're, they, and that is the school of filmmaking that these guys come from. Um, and so, but, you know, clearly uh, that is not like, oh, and that's what we should expect from so-and-so's set but i think for for anyone coming in to this environment where they have this shorthand and they're like honey we were shooting these movies on weekends you know and i was craft services and like you know you gotta be down here uh because this is our thing um you know whether or not that attitude is like good or not and i'm not saying that would be my guess as like the kind of vibe you're walking into but on top of that you know i as an actor who you know loves making horror movies um that is a very specific especially with creature effects and special effects and stunts and sequences and wire work like that's a very specific thing you are signing up for and to her credit i think even bruce campbell was like this was a horrible experience (laughs) it was a very hard experience on set because again they were ambitious they were trying they were doing so much um and it was physically exhausting for him so yeah i i have to imagine as somebody who wasn't there but somebody who hears these tales i'm like yeah i could see how this kind of all and you know on top of that with the your question about the the female characters as we were as y'all were talking i was thinking like you know what 
And here comes Sharon Stone in The Quick and the Dead. And here comes, you know, as you say, uh, Mary Jane Watson. And here comes uh, Kate Blanchett in The Gift. And like some really interesting female performances. And Alison in Lohman in, uh, in Drive Me to Hell. I yes, mean, yes. A, 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 you know. There's a lot going on in that it's, movie. But, you know. Well, it's an incredible performance. And I, as we've said a hundred times, love the movie. The way the movie thinks about and treats Christine, I still have quite, like, yes, I would yes. love to sit down and talk to Sam yeah. and Ivan and be like, let's, I'm curious. What like, were you trying as, to say with this? <laughs> well, yeah. Like, do you, what are your, you know, and if the answer is nothing, we were not trying to say anything. Yeah. Then that's also an answer, but but I say all that to say that Evil Dead and Drag Me to Hell are like over here when it comes to the female characters, and then over here is like everything else, which is so interesting. Even even um, Simple Plan, which has a character Mm -hmm. that many other stories have made kind of a shrewish harpy type, Mm -hmm. gives that character a lot of nuance, gives that character a lot to do. She's fantastic in that movie. Um, the the fa- like, I'm just Clark. If we have Sam and Ivan on for the Beethoven app, as we're hoping, you could come on and, and ask them some. Please, of these oh, thank you. I'm gonna I mean, take the you amount up on of that. of people that are chomping at the bit for Beethoven. It's tough. It's you gotta you know play how, for that. You know episode. how this 99 ended with that Magnolia episode that had 70 people on it. We're gonna get 150 people, all celebrities, talking Great. Beethoven. Yeah. I did. I grew up watching that movie. That was Beethoven. A, oh yeah. yeah, that was a see. That was not on, p- pitched to me. Now it was, it was well because it's been now, it's, so many people have risen their they've hands. They claimed it. it. Well, yeah. 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 You know who else is? You know who else is interested in that? Oh, yeah? Jesus Christ! Jesus Christ said. <laughs> He's like, listen, I That's try not to get that. He's like, hard... I'm trying not to come back, you know, until it's time, but I come back for Beethoven. I'm like, thanks. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I want to rate this film because Clark, I want to hear your thoughts on the film that we're covering next week. Um, oh, yes. I believe it's a film that you will have thoughts on. Okay. Um, so uh, I didn't see this film in 92. I think I saw this film for the first time, probably in the mid two thousands or something. So I'm not going to rate it then, but before this podcast, I was at an 82 and I've gone down a little bit on this. I think I'm at like a 75. I, I, I really love this movie just to be clear. Um, but I think that you guys highlighting some of the sexist components in this movie, oh, no. uh, which is complete. No, it's totally fair. I'm not, that's not, that's, um, I think that's a completely, I don't think I, I saw that stuff because I'm a stupid white guy sometimes and I don't always see things that I should see. Um, so I, I appreciate you guys bringing it to my attention. I just want to be clear. I, in a movie like this, I have a lot less trouble with it than in a movie where it's sure, kind of sure. click. Like there, the intentions here are very clear and I think it is a lot of it's the editing, but it is it is the movie we have, you know? Yes. No, absolutely. Uh, but it's still, still a movie that I thoroughly enjoy. I love this franchise. I'm very excited to see the new one. Um, I really liked Ash vs. the Evil Dead, a star show that if it was on almost any other network, I imagine might have probably got a little bit more love and, and probably would have worked a little better. Um, but yeah, kind of a weirdly forgotten show that I don't really feel like got the love that it deserved. But um, thrilled to see that that the franchise continues to live on. But uh, Emily, what are your thoughts? Where are you on this? What's your rating? Um I just want to. I just want to say a couple quick things about sure, um, Evil Dead Rise. I think. I think Jane Levy, Levy, Levy. I think she's a phenomenal Levy. actress who has just not quite gotten the thing. And I yeah. really wish that they would revisit that character from the 2013 movie because I think she is 
such a fascinating actor and i loved the idea of that movie going more in the tragedy direction that is inherent to this franchise and i love the idea of her and ash meeting up at some point because there's such different approaches to the same material and i just like Mm -hmm. to see them work together i think the big flaw of evil dead rise is they just don't have a very compelling lead Mm -hmm. like she kind of gets blown off the screen by the other performers she's certainly a good actor she's just like everybody else knows they're in a bug shit horror movie and she's kind of trying to keep it grounded and i think mm-hmm. it's just a tonal mismatch i don't know uh Clark, is, you may have thoughts it, on that. by the way uh, lily sutherland's i think um but, but Clark, it's they're please. all australians they're all australians and, and the problem is that the the woman playing her sister who's the main deadite is so fucking fun that just like Alyssa everything sutherland else kind of, is yeah. the is the demon and Lily okay. Sullivan is the, I believe, Beth. Yeah, I mean, they should not have such similar names. Honestly, <laughs> that's a that's how you cast your movies. Yeah, yeah you can't, your names can't be similar. When we, yeah, when we when we cast Arden, I just was like, somebody was in there. Was like, no, we can't have another person with that name here. Get out, uh, Clark. If you have anything you want to say about that before, yeah, I what do, do, what do you think Phil yeah um i so okay so phil when you and i had coffee i i hadn't seen it yet yet. and my take on other people getting into the franchise the evil dead franchise like specifically in the feature side was with what fede did with the 2013 evil dead it's like yeah no one's gonna out sam rainy sam rainy so take it in a completely completely different direction i i think that that's great because also the first movie is a remake of the first movie right so so fine and as we've already discussed um the evil dead sam raimi's first movie is a straight horror movie with you know a little levity but not really um then i saw evil dead rise and my takeaway was okay i think we all need to meet in the middle somewhere we need to start having more fun in this sandbox and there were flashes of fun there was an eyeball gag that felt very uh you know very like of the evil dead 2 kind of ilk and there were a handful of other moments you know as you say emily like the the woman who's our deadite is is having a great time but everybody was so serious and even you know i just i so i i enjoyed the movie however i'm ready to start playing around a little bit doesn't have to i think we we should all maybe be in the evil dead space be looking for that evil dead 2 vibe and not the fede evil dead vibe there's gotta be some playfulness there um yeah uh, like infusing a little bit of edgar wright in there to some degree i think or just even just yeah i don't know i haven't seen this i've been thinking about like so the clearly the thing about this is you're in an enclosed location you can't escape from in the dead rise and like i think you got i think you got to mesh this with Black Christmas and do Evil Dead in a sorority house over the holidays. And there's like a yes, blizzard and nobody that. can get out. 
Oh, I like God. let's let's do that. Let's make it happen. Yeah, we just I, yes. we just pitch shit around town. That's what this podcast. Is. When we when we have when y'all we're not pitching right now. <laughs> yeah, we're not pitching, guys. Don't worry. When this episode is out, like hopefully the strike will be over and I will be named it won't Queen be. of Hollywood. It's the first so. week of June, this one drops. So. Oh Jesus! Okay, well never mind. We're not pitching. That was not a pitch. We're not you pitching. Didn't listen to we're not. Yeah. We're just talking. We're just talking. A we're pitch it to, to Phil. Yeah. Phil's not an AMPTP yeah. signatory to my not. <laughs> Clark, Clark isn't a studio executive, as far as I, I know. I, so, not I mean, that you know of. But I, I do think, though, that, like, it's funny because I'm, I'm doing a Patreon episode later um, on uh, <laughs> uh, the pilot of Glee and the pilot of Scream Queens. Um, and yeah. I... I I to to Emily favorites, but I but I do bring it up just because I think that a sprinkling of Ryan Murphy would also help yeah. uh, in this in the Evil Dead franchise, right? Like I think that the American Horror Story, I mean, listen, there's ups and downs. It's obviously not all great, but there there is sort of a little bit of a campiness and a little bit of fun, and and I think that from what I've read about the Fetty one, it's really gory and just like, that's where it's going full tilt on. And, and I wonder whether or not they could have a little bit more fun, but we'll see. The, the, the one of the kids in evil dead rise is a, is a trans performer. And like, mm-hmm. I knew that going in, but if I think if you watch, you, you would have no idea. There's like little bits and pieces here that indicate that the character is trans, but mm-hmm. like, they never say it. They never uh-huh. put it in. And a Ryan Murphy version, it would have been like he would have come in wearing a shirt that said trans and he would have just said the word trans in every other line. It would have been amazing. But like, he's my trans himbo king. A lot of people don't like that character, but he's my trans himbo king. He makes, he brings the dead back to life. And honestly, that's what trans people need. We need to be in films. <laughs> that's what we need. We need I actually, help the trans movement for sure. I actually really liked that character. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really did. And, and uh, gosh, bringing kids into the equation was mm-hmm. a stroke of fun. See, that's where, okay, uh, listen, this is where I light up because I'm like, if you're going to make an R-rated evil dead movie, with kids can we have some fun here are we having fun yet um like i I, that is where that was the biggest thing for me if if um the sister the woman who's the sister beth the character of beth if she had played her role straight uh you know been been our straight man our like grounding force uh, amongst crazy kid deadites in a hard R movie with this crazy mom. And it's just this whole family that are like playing it for that would have been cool. like wild. Yeah. That's, that's the movie like I'm ready for now because again, Fede's movie is so good, but it is grim. <laughs> it is grim and that's okay. Um, But now it's like, this is, too, it's too sad. What are we sad? <laughs> I just come on, but yeah. So so, kid, ah, more kids, more evil. I want to. Yeah, I I totally agree. I also want to close a loop on something. I just googled Clark, and she's actually the head of Lionsgate. Oh no! Strike. So, (laughs) God damn it! I thought this was gonna air after After the strike. We we've all sent a memo, an email to each other Mm -hmm. that's like strike two end question mark. 
Right. And that's like, yeah. You know, and I, I just, <laughs> just so... googled Clark, and she's the president of Lion. I should have I should have known that you were when I saw that your email address was Clark at Lionsgate dot com. Yeah, but you know, yeah, I, I that yeah. is true. That is true. So, I, mm. Uh, what what are your what are your numbers? What are your ratings <laughs> on uh, Army of Darkness? I just this I have not been able to drag us on tangents enough because I was holding the baby. Uh-huh. So now I, I just keep going. Uh, you know what? Is I don't know how to give this movie a queer phobia rating. Like yeah. I, I do, I do kind of feel like nineteen nineties, nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties. Ash calls people the f slur a lot, but then he like mellow out of it you know yes. by the time he's like in ash versus evil dad because he's like well if two guys want to kiss what's like it whatever, my yeah, business yeah. yeah um but yeah i think queer phobia i'm gonna give this like a like a three okay. just just you know a low level background radiation <laughs> queer, of queer phobia that's what that rating is um movie wise like i saw this uh you know i went on an evil dead kick about 15 years ago i saw this this was my my least favorite of the first three those were the ones that were out then um i still really enjoy it i think i'm gonna give it a 72 i think it's a fun movie i think it's got issues um and again this is a franchise i love despite the fact that only evil dead 2 is like the only one i'd put up in like the 90s range so Mm. like what about you well i saw this movie uh as i mentioned in high school uh for the first time and having not seen evil dead one or two uh so i enjoy this movie but I sincere my takeaway this time is, oh, this is for kids. <laughs> Which again, <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. You're showing uh, your maternal side again. I, I really am, right? I want evil deadite children. Yes. And also I want I can't no wait romance. To show, and no romance. Get that romance <laughs> right out of here. Right out of here. And yeah. I want to show a child army of darkness. <laughs> so um Yep. This explains. To be fair, a lot. Emily did show her child Army of Darkness, and uh, she liked it. So there you go. She had a she great time. It. She's time. she's going to grow up super well adjusted, and oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So what would I give it? I would. I think a seventy-five is is a good okay. is a good place for it in terms of my personal rankings um, of like the franchise and faves. My personal faves. Um, so what are your thoughts on the 1992 film Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I just love it. I love it so much. I love the series so much. I, you know, look, let's get this out of the way right up top. Christy Swanson, not not a cool lady. Joss Whedon, very problematic. Uh, this movie is filled with trouble. (laughs) However, let's just put that aside. Um, I also, I'm also reading here that vampires, hugely problematic, just as a concept. Right, 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 right. Sure. Vampires. Not Very rapey. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of rapey. Um, so, so, but that said, this movie, I, first of all, regardless of my relationship to it as a kid, which I did grow up on this movie, um, I still think it is really funny and I think the performances are really good and, and um, you know, Christy Swanson's Buffy and Sarah Michelle Gellar's Buffy, different characters. And that's actually lucky me. I get both. <laughs> um, so this was a movie that was so formidable, like 
this is so important to my childhood. Sure. I took karate because buff because of Buffy. Karate and gymnastics. I would literally be out in my backyard with like pieces of wood, tr- you know, pretending to fight vampires. Um, it is everything that has made my me image quiet. of a young Clark right yeah. now is very active, very active <laughs> child. I just like yeah, I really was fighting imagine imaginary creatures all Uh over the place but here's the thing like and and you know we've kind of we don't have to get in you know we've touched on it a bit with our evil dead conversation but like the biggest thing for me is that girls like this stuff Mm -hmm. and you know i i like i joked about it a little but boy i'd love to see an evil dead movie especially ones about women made by a woman that would be so cool um and buffy you know this character has been a part of me and my love for genre and buffy's buffy as a as a slayer but also as a kid but also as somebody who has the world on her shoulders that hero's journey mm-hmm. um like she's such an important character and i love this movie luke perry's so good in it like he's so charming and lovely and he is there to support her like that pike is so important to and that messaging like i truly him sounds so silly but him and chris pine's character in wonder woman are like so important for people like me growing up Mm -hmm. and now you know so anyway um also i'll end with this uh i met uh 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 rucker hauer backstage at something one time and uh and i i i was like listen i have to tell you something and he's like what and i was like uh you are in a movie that is very important to me and i knew he probably thought i was talking about anything else (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i was like buffy the vampire slayer is so important like it's when blah 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 and he was so kind and he was so gracious Mm. um and so lovely and that was wonderful because Donald Sutherland was not. He, this was not a Buffy convention that I was at. Like many years later, I was doing this press line where Hillary Swank was there and I brought up Buffy to her and she was like, oh my God, Donald Sutherland and I were just talking about that or something. I don't know what it was. And then he came over and I was like, Hillary said that you were just, and he was like, what? He just was such a dick. He's just a surly old man. Well, and he it's was fine. a dick on like, the movie too, apparently. Like he did oh, not yeah. enjoy the process of making that. He's film. just a. I mean, I don't know if he's anybody a grumpy, did. He's a grumpy old man. He's a grumpy yeah. man. Anyway, Rucker Hauer, so lovely. R.I.P. Uh, just great. So yes, it's, I'm, you know we, we I, record. Yes, please, I'm I I actually saw Christy Swanson at a thing and was like, "Hey, Buffy was so important to me," and she said, "Get away from me with that syringe." And I was like, "Oh, it's true. okay." She did. She did <laughs> yeah. say that. Yeah, that's fair. She. I mean, I, I'll, I'll say this. We've recorded the episode already, and and I do think that it was uh, it's a great episode, and it's an interesting movie, just to kind of look at it's just merely existing, mm-hmm. um, and 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 how kind of groundbreaking it was. You had this female director, you had this. Speaking of grumpy white men, you had Joss Whedon who was you know very frustrated with the process, and just a lot of things going on in the periphery. Um, so that a movie that's that fun to come out of that process is a test to something um i mean luke perry's great and paul rubens steals like every scene that he's in he's fantastic uh david arquette's great like it's a stacked cast it's a lot of fun 
Um, the aesthetic. Yeah, I mean, the aesthetic is peerless. We talk a lot about uh, Buffy's clothes. I didn't. Oh my I god. Didn't, I didn't love that movie as much as you two, but I. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's there. You're there for for the clothes. I'm there for I'm there for the neon athlete. <laughs> oh my god! Those cheerleading mm-hmm. outfits, the crop top that's not a crop. Yes. That's just like crops on crops on crops. <laughs> It's like it's it is like this evolutionary step between the eighties and nineties, that movie. Yes. I think. Just, yes. Yeah. There's something beautiful about that. But yes, I agree. We gotta get a a, a lady we find some fucking girl making horror shorts on YouTube, throw her I mean, ten we, million bucks and make a fucking evil dead movie with I'm her. I'm gonna as the executive did, hire get, myself. Yeah. I don't know that this is necessarily the same thing. But it feels like Jennifer's body was sort of, and obviously that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other conversation in terms of how that film was and wasn't embraced and how it's grown in esteem in the years since that came out. But I do think we need more of that. We need more female writers, female directors, you know, female empowered horror genre pieces and i'm kind of surprised we don't have more of them especially when you look at the success of stuff like yellow jackets or whatever like people are are hungry for this stuff no pun intended one of the great tv shows um yeah it's like are you uh are you working on that show emily no no one's i don't know why you say that no one's working right now because clark's got the town shut down she's like i don't want anybody working it's And you know what? Thank you for blaming me, the executive, and not the writers. Not the writers. Because it is my fault (laughs) as an executive. I want to get a screen grab of that and put it on one of the WGA strike posters of one of the the signs being, it's It's my my fault. fault. Please, uh, (laughs) podcast like it, listeners, you have my full permission to quote me on your side it's such a yeah. it's, it's the most niche bit you could possibly put on a <laughs> yeah. writer's strike picket sign but it's fantastic clark, uh, clark, it's yeah, my please. fault clark wolf head of Lionsgate, exactly. and it's honest- <laughs> and yes and the actual president of Lionsgate runs with it because he wants nothing to do with this obviously That's right? right um clark this was a blast you're the best oh please come back talk about Thank something else with us me. um can't wait to have you on double features on the patreon yes. to talk about something else whatever that might very well be i'm very excited about that but where can people find you what what are you up to what tell us all about it. tell us yes all. so you can find me on instagram at clark wolf clark with an e wolf with an e and i actually just um was in a horror movie called malum um malum oh, yeah. is a reimagining of the last shift so it's actually quite appropriate that we did sort of because we've been using Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. It's the same filmmaking team that wrote it and same director, Anthony de Blasi. Uh, you know, he got the opportunity to put more money and expand this universe into this cult favorite um that came out you know about roughly 10 years ago so malum is out on digital now uh and so it it was so much it's it's special effects and it's dark and it's got a great uh score by samuel laflamme and um you know the russells who did hellraiser among other things like did our special effects so the demons are awesome and um i got to play a part that i would not have cast myself in so it was it was just a real departure for me which was so fun and i'm really really proud of the movie so um check out check it out malum it's uh, available on digital now 
And thank you both for having me. This oh was God. such a treat. Let's not go four years in between appearances. That's not going to happen. I promise <laughs> that. And if nothing else, I want to go on screen drafts with you and oh draft something. We need to do that. That would be that, so fun. That's going to be great. Yes. Um, but yes, people should follow you on Twitter. That's also at Clark Wolf yes. with two E. Clark with an E. Wolf. Um, yeah. And again, like an absolute blast. You're the best. Emily, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, I think you two should draft Lionsgate movies on screen. <laughs> no uh yeah um all right guys this was a blast thank you so so much i'll talk to you guys soon bye Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.